tonight on what's the best that could happen from believing in myself, I want to talk about racism. And you might be wondering, what does racism have to do with believing in myself? I don't really have a short answer for that. Just gonna have to go with me for the long answer on this one. Content warning for this episode. I'm going to be talking about mental health, depression, suicide or unaliving attempts, as well as spiritual bypassing. So racism. Lately, I have been hyper-focusing on learning about racism. And I've gotten genuinely excited about learning about racism. And again, that might sound really confusing on the surface because there's a lot of atrocities, a lot of tragedies that happen because of racism and sexism and all of the problematic isms and phobias. There's a lot of atrocities in that. And you might be wondering, why am I excited to learn about racism then? Well, I'm not excited about the atrocities. The tragedies hurt and they're very heart-wrenching. They're painful to look at, I'm not gonna lie. They're painful to look at. But I'm excited because I am finally in a place where I feel stable enough mentally to be able to look at them. First of all, let me say that the fact that learning about racism is a choice for me is a privilege. And the fact that racism is not an everyday experience of my life as a white person, that is absolutely a privilege. Let's backtrack here a little bit, okay? Let's talk about my mental health, my mental health history, and why I am so excited that I can finally hyper-focus on learning about racism. And this is where it gets a little bit heavy because I'm gonna have to give you some real-life details in order to uh, paint the picture appropriately. My first attempt to unalive myself, hold on, let me turn the fan off. My first attempt to unalive myself, I was 11 years old. And ever since that first attempt, I have tried many times and I have had a rather extreme experience of depression, anxiety, PTSD for many years. Up until my last almost attempt to unalive myself, which was in 2015. When I was 11, 2002 would have been my first attempt to unalive myself. So for 13 years, I was experiencing extreme depression and anxiety and PTSD and unprocessed trauma. All of these things were compounded. For 13 years, I was in survival mode. Now, realistically, you know, it's 13 years between my first and last attempts to unalive, but processing that trauma went well into 2016 before I started seeing any sort of progress um, on a more consistent basis. So 14 years, as well as one to two years of trauma before my first unalive attempt, as well as trauma for a handful of years when I was younger. So it's safe to say that a lot of my life has been an extreme experience of trauma and or trying to process trauma and having varying levels of 
success with that. We'll just round it off and say 14 years, from 2002 to 2016, just to keep it simple. For 14 years, I was depressed, I was anxious, I had PTSD, I was living in an environment that I did not feel safe in. All of these things put me in survival mode almost constantly. For at least 14 years, I was dealing with all of those things and I did not have any energy left over to face the atrocities of racism, to face the tragedies of people directly affected by racism because I was in survival mode. Being in survival mode with that extreme level of trauma and pain to deal with was not a privilege. But the fact that those experiences were not caused by or a result of racism in my life, that is a privilege. Through high school, through college, I was aware of racism on a very surface level. I knew about it. I knew that it was a terrible thing. I knew that it was causing a lot of pain, but I didn't have any energy left over to deal with it. You might be judging me for that because for a long time, I was judging myself for that. I used to have so much guilt and shame around the fact that I could see the atrocities and tragedies of racism and all of the other isms. I could see it and I couldn't do anything about it. I felt like I couldn't do anything about it. I couldn't even, I couldn't even go there emotionally because in my own mental and emotional health, I was barely hanging on. And I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> I just lost my entire train of thought. Choo-choo derailed. For at least 14 years, I could see the tragedies of racism and I couldn't go there emotionally. I was not mentally stable enough to be able to deal with or process or honestly do anything about the racism that I saw. When I was going through that, I had a lot of guilt and shame about it because I thought that it made me a terrible person that I didn't have any emotional energy left over, that I didn't cry when people were murdered or shot or I'm not going to go into detail. You all know what racism does. And if you think that racism doesn't, it, never mind. Racism is real. So I felt like a terrible person that I didn't have the emotional energy to be able to do anything about it, but I couldn't understand why. And it wasn't until I really started processing my own trauma. It wasn't until I really started processing my own PTSD and making decisions for my life that helped me to move out of that depression. It wasn't until I really genuinely started taking care of myself much more consistently that I was able to understand why I couldn't dive into racism earlier. And it was absolutely because racism is a collective wound that we are all dealing with. It is a wound. I had to go through years of counseling 
of sitting with my own traumas, of sitting with the hard feelings of crying, of screaming, of everything to get to this point of feeling stable enough that I can take that energy to be anti-racist and consciously learn about it so that I can do something about it. Collectively, we do not have a lot of understanding of emotional intelligence. Collectively, there is a lot, a lot of avoiding going on. For those of you who don't look into racism or consciously try to be as anti-racist as you can, or who consciously try to learn about the prejudices that you have and correct them and learn and have empathy for these people, for those of you who who use the law of attraction as your excuse to not put any work into looking at racism objectively, I have some hard truths for you and you're not gonna like what I have to say, but it's important and it needs to be said. The law of attraction basically says that what you focus on, you get more of, right? And so I have heard plenty of people use the law of attraction as their reason for not learning about racism because what you focus on you get more of and so on a surface level it might make sense to some people that they don't want to focus on racism and they may justify that by saying that if they focus on it it'll create more racism but the thing is is that with me deliberately focusing on racism that doesn't actually create more racism what it does is it educates me and my having that education my having that learning and that new understanding what that might do is it might make me more aware of when i need to stand up and draw attention to it so in that way it might make it seem like the law of attraction is creating more racism because of drawing more attention to it but it's not creating more racism it's drawing attention to the racism that's already there drawing attention to the racism that's already there is uncomfortable because it's a wound if you are burnt out, if you are dealing with depression or anxiety, or if you are in survival mode in any way, if you haven't learned how to sit with difficult emotions and let them run their course, then you might not be able to sit with a heavy topic like racism. You might feel threatened by the very idea of a difficult conversation or by the idea of making mistakes but making mistakes is human and not having the conversations not acknowledging that we live in an inherently racist sexist homophobic transphobic ableist ageist anti-semantic culture by not having those conversations we are keeping 
those collective wounds alive so much longer than we have to. So the law of attraction, let's put that in terms that actually makes sense because the energy of the universe, whether you're spiritual or not, the energy of the universe is very intelligent. I've been talking about racism as an emotional wound, but let's think about a physical wound for the time being. Okay, so let's say you get a cut or a burn or something, you have a physical wound on your body. If you've lived long enough to be hearing this podcast, you've probably experienced some wounds. So you have a physical wound on your body when as soon as you have that wound, your body is a very intelligent energy. Your body starts bringing more energy to that area. Okay. It brings red blood cells and, and whatever else to help heal that area. And when that wound is, is fully healed, your body stops bringing that extra energy to it. You know, it scars over or depending on the wound, it might not be there at all. Your body brings that extra energy to it until that wound is healed. And then it doesn't bring any energy to it anymore because it's served its purpose. And so with racism being an emotional wound, a collective emotional wound, the more that we avoid it and resist it, the longer it's going to last. I drew a little visual. I will include it with the show notes, but I will also walk you through the process so you can do this for yourself if you would like to. So what I did is I took a single sheet of paper, I, I turned the paper horizontally and I drew a vertical line down the middle of it and I put a circle on either side of the line. On the circle on the left side, I just scribbled. I just scribbled all over the paper. I didn't worry about the circle at all. Just scribble. Go wherever you feel like scribbling and, you know, cross over into the circle as many times as you want. On the right side, you are going to avoid the circle. You are going to avoid, you can still scribble wherever you want, but you are going to avoid going into the circle at all. What I want you to think about with this visual, in both cases, the circle represents a wound. In the left side, you have a lot of lines that cross over into the circle. And if you scribble enough, the circle will, the circle will be, it won't exist anymore, basically. Now, I used two different markers. I used a green marker for the circle and a brown marker to scribble, but that was just so that you can see the contrast between the, the scribbles and the circles. I didn't want anyone to have any sort of excuses that, oh, there's not actually a circle on the left side. So I made sure you can still see the circle, but if you do this activity for yourself, the circle and the scribble do it with the exact same thing. So if you're, if you draw the circle with a pen, if you're scribbling, do them both with the same thing. Okay. And then the circle on the right, you're still going to scribble, but you are not going to let yourself go anywhere near that circle. You are not going to let it cross over into that circle at all. And what this should give you 
as the final result is the circle on the left doesn't exist anymore or isn't a clearly defined circle where the scribbles and circles stop. It's all just scribbles. And the, cir the right side, you end up with the circle in the middle and all of the scribbles have just made the circle more obvious. It has drawn more attention to the circle. Another way to think about this is that the, the right side is what you resist persists. What you avoid stays because you have to consciously put in effort into avoiding it, which you can think of with the left side with the scribbles that the circle doesn't really exist as a circle anymore. Every time that line crosses over into that circle can be the processing experience. Because racism is a wound in the same way that wounds on our bodies exist, energy is going to keep going to the wound until until all of those feelings and discomforts and pain can be processed and seen and acknowledged and loved. Because the same thing happens with emotional wounds as physical wounds. When you take care of them the right way, energy stops being fed to them. And that energy can be cleared up and, and distributed to other things that need more attention. And so as long as we collectively ignore the racisms and the sexisms and the homophobias and the transphobias and the anti-Semitisms and the, all of these collective wounds, the longer that we collectively ignore them, the longer they are going to be there and the louder they are going to be because of drawing energy to that wound to be healed. If, you'd, if you've healed any sort of emotional wound or trauma, then you know that it's gonna get worse before it gets better because you have to sit with that discomfort and that pain and you have to sit with it as long as it needs to be sat with to be understood, seen, and healed. And what racism has to do with me believing in myself, the reason that this episode belongs on this podcast is because I had to believe in myself enough to ask for help. I had to believe in myself enough to show up to process my own trauma wounds. I had to believe in myself enough to move beyond those disempowering patterns and to knowingly go into the discomfort and the pain knowing that that is the only way through. I had to believe in myself enough to talk about this really difficult conversation and to be able to acknowledge, hey, you know what, for the better part of my life, I did not make the effort to learn how to be anti-racist because I was not mentally stable enough. I have to own that. That is not comfortable to say by any means, 
because that guilt of I should be taking care of other people is still it's still there a little bit not nearly as much as it used to be but I have to own that for the better part of my life I was not in a place where I could take actions to be anti-racist because I had to work so hard to simply survive and I had to believe in myself enough to forgive myself for that I had to get to this point of believing in myself enough to have this difficult conversation when I got the inspiration for this podcast episode I was so excited about it and within an hour after that my throat literally closed up because my subconscious was trying to protect me knowing that a lot of people are not going to like what I have to say in this episode and knowing that it's the right thing to say regardless and that I'm going to say it regardless and that is so much progress of believing in myself to be able to get to this point so bit of a longer episode today but thank you so much for listening I love myself I love you and if you stuck with me this long I really appreciate you listening because this is so important I believe that it can get better if we are willing to have the difficult conversations.